You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Busy, busy Sunday. We ended on that clunker for fantasy football, unfortunately, for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They win the revenge game in Foxborough as the, the Patriots uh, gave them a good game, made Tom Brady not good fantasy numbers there, but... They get the win to close out Sunday, but a lot of exciting things and positive things did happen for fantasy football, and some disappointments, uh, surprises on either side. We'll break that all down for you. We'll look at both sides of your game, the most important takeaways there for fantasy football. We'll get into it. Uh, thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, so a lot to talk about here excitement in some games and disappointment really low scoring and uh, just guys uh, just not delivering what we expect in these games so let's uh, dive right into it we'll start in this game in Atlanta where the Washington football team wild one we said this could be a high scoring affair we kind of teased it all week Washington's defense was underachieving not playing well the Falcons don't have a lot of talent there on their defense it was in a dome. There were all the environments there to have a big game, and that's what we saw. A shootout between Taylor Heineke and Matt Ryan. So if you streamed either of those quarterbacks, you were very happy this week. Let's start with the Washington football team. Unfortunately, a big injury to Logan Thomas early in the game. So we know this offense with Taylor Heineke pretty much goes through three guys. Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, and Antonio Gibson out of the backfield. Now, Logan Thomas hurt his hamstring early. He was out of the equation. So what did we say? Giddy up for a big game for Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. That's exactly what happened because Heineke trusts Terry McLaurin, but he also had injuries to Diami Brown in this game and uh, Cam Sims. So everyone was hurt. McLaurin was just a target monster dominating things all over the field, scored two touchdowns, made amazing plays, and Scary Terry was exactly that in this game. Uh, you can call him F1, whatever you want to call him, but you saw his speed, his uh, pass catching, what makes him a special number one in this league. So we touted him all offseason long. It didn't really matter who the quarterback is. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Actually, McLaurin has looked even better here with Heineke. As Heineke trusts him, he's going to throw all over the field. So sometimes... The younger quarterbacks lock into one guy, but we know Fitzpatrick facilitates his playmakers, but Heineke is doing just that. And without Thomas in there, a lot of guys that are hard to trust, they have Curtis Samuel back in the mix, but still, it's going to be the Terry McLaurin show. So, good news, you've got McLaurin. This week, it's a little tougher matchup against the Saints, but he's getting the targets, he's making the big plays, he's kind of matchup proof, he might be contained in some games like we've seen, but... He can go off in these weaker matchups, and we saw that here from Terry McLaurin. Gibson also looked good, so if we were panicking about J.D. McKissick, that stuff is uh, no longer relevant here in uh, fantasy football, that uh, McKissick is just going to have a change of pace, some big plays. I know he had the touchdown there at the end of the game, but he's not cutting into your usage of Gibson McKissick very sporadic there. But uh, yeah, definitely great game from Gibson in uh, this one as well, so... Yeah, you want some teams to be streamlined with a couple guys, and we definitely see that from the Washington football team. Now, we thought the Falcons would be streamlined and uh, run their offense to a couple guys here with Arthur Smith, but it's been one guy, Cordell Patterson. We cannot believe it. He continues to deliver, and it seems to just be getting better and better with his key usage. He's not only their leading receiver, he's their leading running back right now, Mike Davis. Mike Davis actually did score in this game, but... Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, can they get some love in the end zone here, please? But Cord Patterson, this is an amazing story. I mean, you've seen him bounce around here with the Patriots and the Bears late in his career. Getting a little bit more interest as a running back. Here he plays as a hybrid for the Falcons. And it's bizarre because you have Arthur Smith here and he had Derrick Henry. <laughs> Cordell Patterson is not like Derrick Henry. He's just an all-around weapon. And Matt Ryan trusts him. This offense gets excited when he's making big plays. 
but it's not very good if you have Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, who were decent in this game, but you just want some attention there to go to these guys in key scoring situation. Is Patterson too good to be true? I think we feel that a little bit. A lot of people had him on their bench despite his early production here. But at this point, they're using him all over the field. They get the Jets this week. That's a really good matchup because the Jets are pretty good at stopping traditional wide receivers. But Patterson is a unique hybrid. He can run the ball as well. So, yeah, it's going to keep going here with Patterson. We just want a little bit more from Ridley and Pitts. And maybe Patterson at emergence as the third guy is going to help. But keep in mind, Russell Gage was also down here with an ankle injury for a second straight week. So he's going to be the incorporated third weapon here. And there's going to be a lot of attention on Ridley and Pitts. We've seen that. The coverage pits still struggling a little bit to get open as a rookie. We know that can be a transition for a tight end that's a little bit difficult. So, yeah, it's the Court Patterson show. Get in on it. At this point, start him in any format until further notice here because he's just that important to what the Falcons are doing offensively here with Smith in year one. All right, this game was a one-sided game. The next game we go to, it's Houston-Buffalo. Man, Davis Mills, it's just hard to get anything from him. It was brutal just trying to watch him pull teeth and try to get Brandon Cooks some production in this game. But, yeah, the running backs are shot. There's no one else getting involved here. Mills is overwhelmed. He's not meant to start. Keep in mind, he's the third stringer developmental guy on this team. Where's Deshaun Watson? Let's save these players. We're still waiting for Tyrod Taylor to come back from his hamstring injury. But it is awful right there for Houston. And that's all I can say right now. Cooks is the number one producer every single week. But... He's now being dragged down with the rest of this offense. So if you're still playing Cooks as a wide receiver three, he's going to get the most of the opportunities here. But that's it. That's all we're investing in the Texans at this given moment until we get Tyrod Taylor back to uh, kind of wake up this offense. And too bad Tyrod missed another revenge game against the Bills. Didn't get that opportunity. The Bills uh, crushed the Texans in this one. Now with the Bills' interesting developments, we said it was going to be Stephon Diggs' get-well game, and he was going to be the guy, and that definitely happened in this one. But... We also said keep an eye on Dawson Knox. He's getting involved a lot now in this offense, getting scoring opportunities every week. They're trusting him in key situations from Josh Allen. It's kind of like they've kept him under wraps. They do like the receivers. We said Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley are still around here. But I think what this offense wants to be, and the way it's going now because the Bills' defense has been so dominant here so far, two shutouts in four weeks with Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, that now this team can have the traditional running game going. So we saw Zach Moss get it done again, get in the end zone. Devin Singletary still looking good, getting some touches. Not a guy you can start as more than a flex. Moss is the guy that you look at more as an RB2 at this point. But again, they're playing with the lead. When you play from ahead, you're not throwing needless volume at different spots and forcing things up there. You're going to have more methodical drives. That's been a transition here from Josh Allen. And Josh Allen not running as much because he's getting it done there with other receivers. So... Dawson Knox, I think, is going to have value for the rest of the season as long as he keeps getting end zone looks, and I don't think that's going to change. They've been winning games with using Knox quite a bit. Moss is still the lead back, so to speak, in terms of the key usage here over Singletary. Singletary is going to have his numbers in games like this where there's a blowout, he's going to get his, but Moss is the more consistent guy that you're going to look at in most weeks when uh, the upside is uh, medium to hard. When it's really easy, then we might uh, consider Singletary. But yeah, good-looking tight end there, Knox. We've been waiting for this. He's had a lot of athletic upside, and now he's kind of tapping into it here. Just like Moss is uh, playing off a really well-done job by Josh Allen here. Now, after the early slump against the Steelers, Josh Allen's got it going. This offense is just in a groove. And again, the game script is going to help. When you, when you see tight ends and running backs get involved, that means it's a positive game script. The Bills are playing from ahead, and that's what you see here. So good on them. Let's move on to another game. This is the game in Chicago. It's uh, the Detroit Lions uh, losing to the Bears. Justin Fields, we thought there was going to be more from Justin Fields, but where's the running? The running's not happening with Justin Fields. That is the question mark. When is Matt Nagy going to use that part of his game? But we did see some good signs. He was throwing the ball deep downfield to Darnell Mooney. Mooney finally woke up. He needed the big arm of uh, Justin Fields to be more productive. Unfortunately, Allen Robinson took second fiddle here, but he still looked pretty good here. So Fields is definitely going to help the wide receivers produce. He's not interested in Cole Komet and the tight ends and that kind of stuff. But David Montgomery looked good as well, running, scoring two touchdowns. So that was good news for Justin Fields. I mean, he himself individually in fantasy football 
wasn't as uh, tantalizing as expected, but he got it done and facilitated the other guys, which is just as important here when we look at the Bears as a whole. So, unfortunately, David Montgomery had a knee injury late in the game. He had to come out. It looked scary, but looks like it's only a hyperextension, so we'll see if he has to miss some time here. Damien Williams a little bit banged up as well. They also have Khalil Herbert, their rookie, that could get some touches should Williams not be good enough to go here as well as Montgomery. So short term here against the Raiders. We'll see. It's a pretty decent matchup for whoever's in there in week five. But yeah, Monty looked really good. This offense looked good. We just want more from Fields. I think he can finish drives, get some touchdowns. We need some running before we can totally trust him to start. But uh, Mooney certainly back to relevance as some wide receiver three consideration. Good matchup next week against the Raiders. Allen Robinson slowly getting going. We need a little bit more, but I think it's coming for him as well. And uh, we'll see Montgomery, Williams, or Herbert. We'll see where they have to go here in week five in the backfield. We'll track the injury reports there for you. Now on the other side of things, the losing side, the Lions, we had Quintus Cephas and Khalif Raymond and all these other guys make some plays. They on Ross St. Brown. What's hurting here is that they're not just going to TJ Hawkinson, but the Bears know they want to go to TJ Hawkinson and they're going to contain him and that he's the first center of attention. So it opens things up for these other guys in the offense. Hawkinson did make a few big plays to salvage his day. He's still up there as a regular starting tight end, but you want some consistency. You want what we got early in the season with him uh, scoring and being a big part of what they do here. So get Minnesota this week. We'll see how he fares there. But uh, yeah, you want more targets to Hawkinson. Let's stop spreading it around by committee to these wide receivers. And then DeAndre Swift, just not very good there. We know the Bears' run defense can be a little tough here. So Jamal Williams, it was just not a very clean performance by the Lions. I mean, they did get in the end zone a couple times, but they coughed it up, made some bad turnovers in the game with Jared Goff, a snap that went over his head. So it was just uh, not good for the Lions, but... The vibes are not good. We just want Hawkinson and Swift to get theirs. And when that doesn't happen, we're severely disappointed in what the Lions are trying to get done for us. Because really, it's hard to know which wide receiver, which week, and what situation they're going to go to. And that's why it's a good situation to overall avoid without Tyrell Williams. All right, let's uh, move on to our last game of this first segment. We're sticking with uh, the NFC theme here. And we go to the Carolina Panthers at the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the story for the Panthers continues to be Sam Darnold in his legs, but also Sam Darnold to DJ Moore. He only has eyes for DJ Moore. There was just no other looks here of relevance. You had a Brandon Zilstra sighting. You had uh, Robbie Anderson uh, just do a little bit better. He was involved, but Terrace Marshall, we thought he was getting more involved. That didn't happen. We also looked at the matchup with Trayvon Diggs, and we thought they could contain DJ Moore. But what's happening? Christian McCaffrey's out. Accelerate gas pedal more DJ Moore. He's kind of the Curtis Samuel and the DJ Moore of 2020. Wrapped up in 2021 with McCaffrey out. So he's getting carries. He's looking good. He's scoring touchdowns. Making big plays. After the catch. Stretching the field. Moore just looks amazing. out here. looks like that dominant receiver that was in Maryland. Why they took him the first round here. Kind of like Steve Smith was. That's what DJ Moore is looking like here in fantasy football. So exceptional. You want some other guys involved. The running game, it's going to be an uphill battle. We thought we were going to get a little bit more from Chuba Hubbard. We knew the volume was there to start him, but the production wasn't, and then the game script wasn't either in the second half. So that really hurt to Hubbard. They just threw, threw, threw. Darnold also, that vulture stealing touchdowns there in the red zone. Uh, two more rushing touchdowns for Darnold. So that's an anomaly. We know that when the uh, quarterbacks score uh, like that, it's the Eagles. We'll see how that plays out here for the Panthers next week. There's a chance Christian McCaffrey could return. That'd be fantastic because that would help uh, run against the Eagles and uh, change the way this looks and maybe diversify the offense a little bit. So, yeah, it is the Darnold Moore show in this Carolina offense right now. And it's just shocking to see how much those two have connected when Anderson was the guy with history. And uh, they just kind of have made Anderson the big play threat that Moore was last year. So, weird, weird stuff here in the same offense to do different things, especially when the chemistry is there. But... Believe it, love it with DJ Moore. He's your elite fantasy football receiver every week at this point based on his usage. He's uh, outproducing uh, one guy that we loved in fantasy, that's CeeDee Lamb. And he's on the other side for the Cowboys. Just two quiet weeks in a row for Lamb. It's been all about the tight ends. 
The previous week there against the Eagles, Dalton Schultz was the guy. Schultz got his touchdown again this week. Blake Jarwin got a touchdown this week. Amari Cooper was banged up for a while with a hamstring, but he came back into the game. So Amari's still getting his numbers here with the big plays. Had the nice touchdown down the sideline that he caught from Dak Prescott. But Lamb was an afterthought. When they got close, they had Cedric Wilson do a little spinorama and get in the end zone for one of Dak Prescott's scores. And they're running again. Anyone who panicked about Zeke Elliott after the first game, this Cowboys offense love everything they're doing here with Kellen Moore. And what's also helping Zeke is the positive game script. Their defense is starting to play well. Second straight blowout in a row here for the Cowboys. So Trayvon Diggs, Micah Parsons, they're helping that group. What they're not helping is the high volume for the wide receivers. Because if you get it done, again, with tight end and the running game, same thing that we saw with the Bills, that's going to limit your upside, and especially if you don't have as much resistance here in the second half. So Cowboys uh, did have to fight through a mild halftime deficit, but they pulled away, and their defense really playing well. Diggs continues to make big plays for them in the back end. And the Cowboys look really good, and that's going to help Zeke. That's going to help Dak. Eventually, CeeDee Lamb will get going again, but... The Cowboys can basically do whatever they want. So we need to wait until we get the Cowboys in a spot where they can torch someone. CeeDee Lamb this week, uh, Mari Cooper could see some James Bradbury against the Giants on uh, Sunday. So that could uh, actually open things up for CeeDee Lamb. So hint, hint, I think CeeDee Lamb has a get-well rebound game here in week number five. All right, we will uh, get into the rest of the games. We've down to uh, 10 more to talk about. Yeah, 14 games. So it's a big action-packed episode. We start a little later here on a Monday to uh, get you covered and uh, really break down everything and make sure we've seen everything out there. So that's why we're a little late posting on Mondays, but we'll turn it to Pickup Tuesday there and we'll do the waiver wire so you'll uh, be taken care of there tomorrow. Then we'll do Matchup Wednesday, Matchup Thursday, look at all the games of Week 5 and bring it all back around again with Lineup Friday, DFS and Injury Updates and uh, Thursday Night Takeaways there. So that's how we do it uh, on our week that we call Locked on Fantasy Football. Hey, fantasy football fans, this is Vinny Iyer with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, GetUpside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot or making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no cash. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN there to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's the code TOUCHDOWN there at GetUpside. All right, let's continue the show looking at more Sunday takeaways from week number four. Again, Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We, again, are free and available on all platforms here to uh, break down fantasy football for you. Let's go to a game here in Miami. It wasn't a great fantasy day for some people, but the Colts uh, grinded through and won. We did actually like the Colts to win the game, and we told you Jonathan Taylor, get well rebound game. The Dolphins' run defense is terrible. They lived up to expectations. Now, Taylor could have had a bigger game if they didn't somehow involve Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines and force these guys into the mix. They don't need to. Jonathan Taylor's good. He can carry the load. He did it at Wisconsin. He can do it here. Give him the opportunity. But at least Jonathan Taylor, if you were disappointed and questioning it, he got back on track. Now the trick is going to let's keep him on track. The Ravens' front is in week five. The Colts uh, hopefully will get some better injury news up front. And they did this. Keep in mind, yeah, Quentin Nelson was out. And uh, Braden Smith, the right tackle, is out. So your best guard in the NFL and a very good right tackle here for the Colts were out. So they did it with their offensive line, got it going. Uh, Carson Wentz was gritty, had a nice game there. But, yeah, we want Taylor to keep going. This is their ticket to winning games. They won the game because they gave the ball to Taylor, got back to the running game and defense game plan. That's the way the Colts are going to have to do it. Carson Wentz playing gritty, playing through injuries. So that was a much-needed win here for the Colts. Now we look at... uh, on the other side, Jacoby Brissett, the former Colt. And what we like about Jacoby Brissett is he's getting the ball in the hands of the guys that used to produce. And that was Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki. Remember, these guys put up numbers there with Ryan Fitzpatrick when Tua Tagovailoa was not playing. So 
He's going to be about the short passes. He's going to be controlled. And now Will Fuller is out with a thumb injury. So Jalen Waddle was the guy getting all the short passes last week, but Parker got him. Parker finds the end zone. You had Gusecki find the end zone. Second straight week, Gusecki getting it done. So this pivot from uh, Tagovailoa to Brissett has really helped Gusecki. We know that the past two weeks. He's relevant in fantasy football again. Will it keep up? That's what we're concerned about. They do play the Buccaneers this week, so they do have that great matchup against a really struggling secondary in garbage time. And uh, we saw the Buccaneers have a lot of cornerback issues, but they also had Anton Winfield, their fine uh, safety, have uh, concussions. So could be really thin here. So that may be some more opportunities here for Parker Waddle and Gusecki in garbage time here in Week 5. So we'll break that down more detail. But yeah, sometimes you get the veteran quarterback. He's going to take care of the short to intermediate guys. Not going to force it downfield. Now Will Fuller back on the shelf with a new injury. What else is new? So that field-stretching plan they had with Tagovailoa, get more big plays with uh, Waddle and what you could do with Fuller, it's gone out the window here. They're back to what can help them win games. It didn't quite work out here, but this is what they're stuck with with Jacoby Brissett. And this backfield between Miles Gaskin and Malcolm Brown, it's just bad. Maybe Salman Ahmed needs a chance here. But again, brutal matchup this week against the Buccaneers. So time to see if they can get well there in the backfield. But Parker Gusecki... Back to relevance here for the Dolphins. Let's go to the most disappointing matchup of the week. Man, we had high hopes for this game. I think you were still pleased if you had Browns running backs in this one, but it was tough otherwise. Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins just looked off in this game, and the defense are pretty good. I get that. The Vikings defense plays better at home. They have Daniil Hunter in the pass rush. We have the other side, you have J.D. Von Clowney. So maybe we overestimate this game, but at a very high over-under, it just really underwhelmed totally. And Baker Mayfield, I don't think it was a tough Vikings defense. He missed a lot of throws. There were a lot of opportunities. There was a couple short touchdowns by Odell Beckham Jr. he missed. Odell didn't have a very good game because of this, and they're spreading the ball around. Rashad Higgins was the leading receiver here. I don't know what they're doing. They're incorporating a lot of guys. This Baker-OBJ thing just doesn't seem to work out, even though... The data points and the throws and all that seem to be right on there. When they're disconnecting like this, and Mayfield simply didn't play well. He was running around, throwing the ball wild in this game. That's not good. But the only Browns that you can really trust right now, no Jarvis Landry in the lineup, are, are the backs. And Kareem Hunt, he's stealing the, some thunder from Nick Chubb. He's getting some key carries. Chubb has caught a few balls, but Hunt seems to be in, being incorporated more. We talked about that with Landry out. Hunt's the trusted guy. He looks great in the red zone. I think Nick, Kareem Hunt is just a better, maybe, overall back than Nick Chubb. I like Nick Chubb a lot as a power back. Don't get me wrong. Kareem Hunt is more that Swiss Army knife, can do a lot more things here. He can run hard and finish drives. He can also be a key a pass catcher. So Hunt's versatility is paying off big time. We thought he might be hurt with the wide receiver help and Landry and some of the spreading around of the tight ends. But with the Landry going down, Hunt has assumed that role and still that OBJ Mayfield thing is really well off. So Mayfield really disappointing so far out of the gate. It's a running team that's going to try to get scores that way. And they're playing good enough defense where he's not going to have to put it up in a lot of games. So we need those play-action touchdowns early. If they don't happen for Mayfield, it can be a struggle. So right now we can't uh, recommend him until we see something there that uh, he gets hot. And he's a bit streaky, so keep that in mind. It could warm up at any time. They do get the Chargers tough matchup this week. So you're going to park Mayfield, but great matchup here for Hunt and Chubb. All right, the Vikings side of things, Dalvin Cook didn't look right. They tried to play through the ankle injury, shuffled in and out. Alexander Madison really killed both of their value. Then trickle down from there, it killed basically the passing game's value there. Kirk Cousins looked bad. Adam Thielen really struggled to get open in this one. Justin Jefferson is fine, and that's what we told you why we love Jefferson so much. He's just the better talent overall than Thielen. Thielen's going to be a good red zone force, but when they're struggling to move the ball and run it, they're going to find Jefferson more than that. So, yeah, it's kind of just everything is connected, kind of like the Titans passing game and the Browns passing game to some degree. They need the run to work to open things up, but if you're not hitting those shots and those plays are not happening, it's going to be a struggle. Kirk Cousins was overdue for a big clunker at home, and the Browns defense provided it here. So, yeah, very disappointing game, really. I don't want to talk about it anymore, as I had some things invested in this one, and some things did work for me, but some things did not in uh, certain leagues. All right, let's go to New Orleans, and the Saints seem to be in control of this game in the second half, but like a just 
Comet, the Giants, took over this game. Won in overtime. Daniel Jones looked fantastic. He's running around well. He's getting the ball downfield. He's using wheel routes to Saquon Barkley. It didn't matter that Steve or, or Sterling Shepard, we're going to call him Steve Shepard, if Steve Shepard didn't play, Sterling Shepard didn't play, we didn't have Darius Slayton either, but what happens? He throws to John Ross, long touchdown. He gets Kadarius Tony, the rookie, involved. Kenny Galladay goes over 100 yards. So Daniel Jones, the breakout is real here, folks. Uh, he had a rough game last week, and they couldn't produce a touchdown against the Falcons, but he was locked and loaded here. Barkley was looking good for a second straight week. He scored the game-winning touchdown. He scored in that long pass play there. So the old Saquon is back. That's going to help Daniel Jones. These receivers are stepping up. Galladay and Tony were the big acquisitions here to change the course of this for the Giants. And uh, they needed the most when Shepard and Slate were not available. So maybe we have a shift there to the new guys, Galladay and Tony. I think John Ross was basically filling in for Darius Slayton in that big play role. But... Yeah, Tony is a little bit of a higher upside version of Shepard. Shepard is still going to have a key role, we know, on this team. But it's going to be interesting now with Shepard and Tony because Tony is kind of a slot to big playmaker as well. So we'll see how those snaps play out. But Galladay getting well in this game, that's what we like to see. And the Giants' offense is looking great here. So just when we think Jason Garrett and this offense is disappointing, they come out with a big performance, come back, tough Saints defense on the road. This came through here, so... We'll see what the Giants can do against the Cowboys. Higher scoring game, we think, in week five. But, yeah, good to see with Barkley back to normal. Galladay kind of uh, playing like he did with the Lions. All good things there. With uh, the Saints, uh, Tony Jones Jr. got hurt. That was a bad development behind Alvin Kamara. But Kamara himself, he's getting a lot of carries. He's going over 100 yards. But it's really hard for him to get in the end zone because Taysom Hill is back in in red zone situations, stealing those. You're not having any checkdowns from James Winston. It's like the worst of both worlds here for Alvin Kamara. Like, he's getting his yards, but we know the just getting those rushing yards can be so empty in fantasy football. It takes so long. You get to 120 yards and you're getting 12 points. When you're not catching passes, you're not scoring touchdowns, it's hard to really rack up those big points here for Kamara. And said. Well, that's what was a little bit of concern. Would they work in Hill? We know Hill's production in the red zone and usage there is not good for Kamara. And then Winston not looking to him as much in the passing game. He's just throwing the ball downfield, looking for a big play to Marcus Callaway, looking to Juwan Johnson in the red zone. It's It's been tough for Kamara. I think it's going to get better. They play the Washington football team. That should be a good chance for Kamara to find the end zone. But yeah, you just want them to... Give the ball to your best player. You're paying him a lot. There's no Michael Thomas. Let's get Kamara going. Look, we love the 100-yard games, but we want the games with the multiple touchdowns and his usual volume in the passing game. So let's get those here for Kamara. Saints are kind of messing around with us, toying around, and maybe that they're losing with this formula. They just seem inconsistent with their game plan week in and week out there. They looked great against the Patriots and Packers. Didn't look so good against the Panthers and Giants. So you just want them to figure things out. and Consistency. And trust is a big thing we want in fantasy football. All right, let's go to the Titans-Jets game. So the Titans didn't have Julio Jones. They didn't have A.J. Brown. They lost the game. The Jets secondary played really well, contained uh, Josh Reynolds, who was hurt in the game, as well as Nick Westbrook-Akini. So they had to use the backs and all those uh, type of players here, peripheral kind of uh, parts here for Brian Tannehill. Only one touchdown pass, another bad game for Tannehill. Ryan, uh, or Ryan Tannehill really depended on Derrick Henry. Henry looked good. He was a force here. Another solid uh, week pounding through the Jets' defense. We know that's where they were weaker in run defense versus pass defense. So Derrick Henry came through, and he's been pretty solid every week. So people were doubting Derrick Henry. I think we're feeling it now when you look at uh, Christian McCaffrey on the shelf. Dalvin Cook is hurt. Alvin Kamara is not going to get done. Ezekiel Elliott is looking pretty good, and Aaron Jones is as well. But... Those were the guys that you could look at more as an alternative to Derrick Henry. But if you've got one of those three guys ahead of Henry, you're still looking pretty disappointed at this point. Now, when we uh, go to the rest of the offense, really not much to speak of there with the key guys out. So the defense is terrible, and that's what we saw. So play anything you can against the Titans' defense. They just don't stop anything. They have young pass rushers, young corners, just not working here for Mike Vrabel. And the reason why I think the Titans are going to be a mediocre team all year that might squeak out the weak AFC South title, but that's about it. Let's go to the Jets. Zach Wilson, just like week one against the Panthers, he got confident throwing the ball downfield. He did make a mistake, but 
They let him loose. Jamison Crowder was a big development here for Wilson, having that reliable veteran slot receiver. Crowder finds the end zone. Keelan Cole also stepped up his game to make some big plays. Corey Davis, Wilson's go-to guy. He had a revenge game on his mind here against the Titans. He comes through with a big, long touchdown. So Zach Wilson looked pretty good. Really, sometimes it comes down to the matchup here for rookie quarterbacks. Much better matchup. The best one by far that he's had all year. Michael Carter still not looking great. This uh, Jets running game is just such a grind. I mean, getting to 30 yards is such a big deal. But 30 yards on a touchdown, that's flex playable, folks, uh, with Michael Carter. So if uh, you have enough plays from Wilson, that's going to open things up for the rest of the offense. It's Atlanta this week. So, yeah, it could be a great breakout game for both of these guys here in uh, London, in Tottenham Stadium, as the Jets uh, take on the Falcons. We saw Tyler Heineke have that game. So can't wait to break down Zach Wilson against the Falcons this week. But great game for him. Good win by the Jets, Robert Sala. Congratulations there. And Joe Judge, the New York New Yorks, both win in overtime here in the early window. The last game we'll talk about here in this segment, the Chiefs and the Eagles hooked up. The Chiefs pulled away. They held on to lead pretty tight. Uh, Jalen Hurts had a lot of answers, but the Eagles just said, we're done with this. Made one last big play to Tyreek Hill for a touchdown. So we said it's been a lot of Travis Kelsey, and teams are predicting him against a big play. It didn't make a lot of sense that Tyreek Hill went off because the Eagles were playing two safeties deep. They were daring teams to run, but what happened is just it got worn down, and Tyreek Hill showed his speed and ability to get open and uh, beat those type of coverages in this game. They did a really good job. I think they focused a lot on Travis Kelsey, knowing that the Eagles had a weakness there, and they really shut down Kelsey. Kelsey, rare, kind of really bad game for Kelsey, but when Tyreek Hill goes off and the running game is doing its job here, that's what's going to happen in some games. The Chiefs' defense responded and played better. They gave up a lot of yards and points, but still kept the game in the favor of the Chiefs here. So Tyreek goes off. He was overdue for this type of game. You know it can come at any time. We just thought it was going to be more of a Kelsey game than a Hill game, but maybe they're realizing, okay, we can give them some big plays to Hill. Let's flip this and, and try to take Kelsey out of the game. So we'll see how teams play them going forward. Good matchup. We'll see how that plays out against the Bills. They've got some good corners, the inside and outside, and uh, some linebackers who can cover. So it'll be interesting to see. I think you'll see more of a balanced approach trying to get Hill and Kelsey involved there in Buffalo or against Buffalo at home in Week 5. Now for the Eagles, uh, Jalen Hurts did his thing. He has a mistake, makes a big play, gets some volume with his running, finds uh, certain receivers. So we like the rookies in this one. They really are looking good with Jalen Hurts. Devonta Smith, good rebound game against the weak secondary. Chavaris Ward missed another game for the Chiefs. So he's the guy. He'll get it done. He's the number one, clearly. Everyone else is just trickle down. The tight end's looking good as well. So a lot of uh, 12 personnel that the Eagles can use. So they did leave a lot of points on the table. They could have been better. But Devonta Smith... Check the matchup. He's going to be up and down as a rookie, but this was a good turning point game for him. So, again, weaker secondaries, that's what you're looking for. Last week, it wasn't a good matchup against Trayvon Diggs. This week, a very good matchup against those Chiefs defensive backs, and Smith came through. He's savvy. He's starting to develop that old chemistry he had with Jalen Hurts from their days at Alabama there. So, Kenneth Gainwell, another thing we're looking at this game. Miles Sanders, they're reluctant to give him the ball. We said Gainwell had a lot of upside out of Memphis. We thought Boston Scott was going to be the mix, but new coaching staff really likes Gainwell. He's getting the key touches here in the passing game as well as the running game, so could be a slight takeover. I don't get it. Miles Sanders, there must be something wrong, the way he runs, the practice, or the durability, something there that he doesn't endear himself to coaching staffs as much. So Gainwell gaining steam as potentially being the key back of the Eagles to complement Jalen Hurts. So we'll see how that develops uh, and uh, going into the Panthers matchup this week. The Panthers really gashed on the ground, so some opportunities there for Gainwell and Sanders maybe in week five. All right, we still have to get to uh, a few more games here on the schedule, five to be exact here, that uh, we saw on Sunday, the takeaways there for fantasy football. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion, and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. 
That's at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. This episode of Lockdown Fantasy Football is also brought to you by Built Bar. you got to get in on Built Bar this week because there's limited time flavor. Cookie dough chunk. I tried some of these. They're fantastic. It's I told you that uh, Built Bars, protein bars that taste like a dessert. This is awesome. Good way to start your day. Power through your workout. Built Bar is going to take care of you. Cookie dough chunk. Yeah, it's like you're having a cookie, dessert, uh, sweet protein bar. It doesn't get any better than that. All the Built Bar flavors are amazing here. Nine delicious core flavors that they have, and some limited times, one like cookie dough chunk, you got to get in while you can. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, those are some of their core flavors. There's something for everyone, and always have to check out those specials. Know what my favorite flavor is? I like the ones with chocolate, more chocolate, so I'm down with mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, anything that is going to uh, give me more and more chocolate. Soft and easy to chew. Every bar you get from Built Bar covered in 100% chocolate there. So always delicious. Built Bar flavors are the best tasting, but they're healthy too. 17 grams protein, 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs in most bars. Some of the other flavors there. 18 grams protein, bumps it up to 180 calories. 5 grams sugar and only 5 grams net carbs. 9 amazing core flavors, all tasty, all healthy. And look out for those special flavors while they last. Right now, it's cookie dough chunk. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, it's time to look at our final five games from Sunday all the way through Sunday Night Football. That clunker between the Buccaneers and Patriots from a fantasy football perspective. The Cardinals-Rams game was not a clunker. If you had Kyler Murray, you were happy about the developments there, but... What I'm seeing in the Cardinals right now, let's start with the running backs. I mean, every week, Chase Edmonds, James Conner, they seem to have something going on. Good rushing attack. They have a good offensive line. Playing off Murray, those backs are getting it done. So they're finding a way to get Edmonds and Conner involved, which is great to see. Conner's just been a scoring machine there. It's a high-scoring offense. He's a power back that they use near the goal line. So that's good. He's usable as a flex every week. Chase Edmonds kind of more RB2 because he gets a regular usage in the yards and catches, but... RB2 and flex every week from those two guys. I mean, we thought the matchup was tough. It didn't matter. The Cardinals just came out guns blazing here. It didn't really matter that uh, we had uh, Jalen Ramsey and DeAndre Hopkins. What's happened with Kyler Murray, he's evolved. So what does he do? He throws to A.J. Green, his uh, new number two on the outside. Occasional throws to Rondell Moore. Christian Kirk has been nowhere to be seen. But Max Williams, yet again on the scene. So they're throwing to more guys. they got a tight end they like. They got all these gadgetry weapons there, Moore and Edmonds there on top of uh, Green, a traditional veteran wide receiver, Kirk when they need him. It's just tough because it's not uh, just uh, Kyler Murray force-feeding DeAndre Hopkins, and Hopkins still had the ribs injury facing a tough matchup this week. Thought would open it up. We've seen people take turns. Christian Kirk has made the big plays. Moore has made the big plays. Green has had two straight weeks. Williams is getting involved, so... Cliff Kingsbury in this offense and Kyle Murray just feeling it everywhere. Sometimes they're involving too much people for fantasy football, and that's the thing. Hopkins is not being force-fed the ball like he usually is because this Cardinals offense is so diverse, so many weapons. That was a concern here going into the season that where they have too many mouths to feed where you can't trust one from week to week, and I think that's developing a little bit. But we have to pay attention in certain matchups, see where we think they might go and what players they might deploy, but it was definitely a Green-Williams game here to take advantage of the Rams' biggest weaknesses where you have some issues in number two corner on the outside as well as uh, in the middle of the field handling things, and we saw that. They couldn't cover the tight end in this one. They couldn't handle the running backs. It was all Arizona. The Rams were also turning over the ball here quite a bit. Now, we go to the Rams. Daryl Henderson was back, so it's not a split between Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle if you're worried about that. Henderson's a guy, you just look a little minute, and the game script really threw the Rams off their running game as Matthew Stafford, with some turnovers, put them in the hole. Now, Cooper Cup finally cooled off. The Cardinals were really struggling in the slot coverage, but they really rebounded here. Great game by Byron Murphy Jr. The pass rush came, really contained this Rams offense really well. So the Cardinals really living up to that 4-0 record, looking like the most complete team in the NFL at this point. They're playing good situational defense. They're scoring at will. The Rams, uh, so Cooper Cup got slowed down, and that kind of uh, 
slow down Jared Goff in this game. He still gets his touchdowns here, Van Jefferson. So he's coming up uh, big. Maybe he'll be a bigger third target here. Tyler Higby, it just depends game in and game out. Is it going to be a third wide receiver or a tight end behind Woods and Cup? Good to see Robert Woods, by the way. We liked him as a rebound game, and he gets in the end zone. It came very late in garbage time, but it counts. So you knew it was going to be some correction to get Woods the ball. Jefferson making big plays, not anyone else involved. Deshaun Jackson is a more sporadic guy, and Cooper Cup just was contained. So Cooper Cup, it, things tend to bounce out. When you're that red hot early, you're going to run into a matchup where you don't have a lot of usage, and really this whole offense struggled a lot more than we expected against this Cardinals uh, defense there. So we'll see. It's the interesting game, Rams and Seahawks. I think that's a get-well game for the Rams' offense. They can make all kinds of big plays, run the ball, whatever they want. And that one, they're the Seahawks' defense really struggling. We know that. So I think that's a good uh, Cooper Cup rebound game, and uh, Woods is going to be good in that one. So maybe we'll get Cup and Woods producing at the same time next week. All right, we go from uh, that game, that NFC West showdown, to another one that happened in San Francisco. The Seahawks really pull away from the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, so that was the development. Trey Lance came in. He had a long touchdown pass there to Debo Samuel. was wide open there down the sideline on a wheel route. So Debo getting it done every week. Brandon Ayuk fighting through the workload here. So it doesn't matter if it's Jimmy G or Lance. Debo Samuel has been the man. George Kittle had 11 targets but only caught four here. So really disappointing to see Kittle and Ayuk quiet in this offense. Trey Sermon looked pretty good rushing for 89 yards. But let's get him to 100. Let's get him in the end zone, folks. Didn't quite happen here. We'll see a Lance-Sermon combo probably, however, as Garoppolo has a calf injury. He's going to miss a couple weeks. They're uh, playing the Cardinals, so it could be a high-scoring affair. Another one, actually, they cross over. The Rams play the Seahawks on Thursday. The Cardinals play the 49ers on Sunday. So a little round-robin, if you will, in the NFC West going on. So Lance going to be out there. I think he has some potential there playing opposite Murray next week. Sermon looked good, I think, in the backfield. Technically belongs to him, but they need a positive game scripts. They can't be from behind because Sermon is not a pass catcher. But Trenton Cannon looked pretty bad on special teams. He coughed up the ball. We didn't really see anybody else involved that much. Jock Patrick was only limited there. So Sermon looked good. Give him more opportunities. Get Lance in there. Let's get Lance and Sermon working together, setting things up there to get Ayuk and Kittle involved and live up to this offensive potential in San Francisco. Now, on the other side of things, so the Seahawks, we said DK Metcalf had a really good matchup. He came through. Tyler Lockett was a little banged up with a hip injury, so it was a little slow going for him. He also had a big play touchdown from Freddie Swain. But look at the backfield. We know Rashad Penny's on the shelf. He's not playing. It's that old river dancer, Alex Collins. Remember him? He was with the Seahawks originally. Then he went to the Ravens. He gave us a flash of fantasy football relevance there. Then he had some fumbling issues. And he got doghouse, and they moved on, and he had some off-the-field things that were happening. And then he's back in the league here with the Seahawks out of necessity, and he's become a key figure there, playing off Chris Carson. He scores in this game, gets involved quite a bit. So I know Chris Carson's been grinding, and he's a tough guy to give a lot of a workload to because of his durability, but yeah. Alex Collins, a thorn in the side here. And you know, the Seahawks receivers, we haven't had that uh, combination Metcalf-Lockett game. I think the hip injury hurt. Matchup was just too good for Metcalf on the outside and the big plays that happened. And uh, the Seahawks were able to run the ball and the game script also helped where we thought it might be a little bit more back and forth affair, but the Seahawks were pretty much in control as Lance struggled initially, got uh, going late. But yeah, Seahawks uh, took care of business here in this game, needed the game more. And uh, we'll see. Uh, Metcalf and Lockett next week run into uh, Jalen Ramsey. So Ramsey figures going to be a Lockett. So it feels like more of a, uh, or sorry. You see Ramsey more and Metcalf has been the history, but that would make it more of a locket game. Hopefully he's healthier with that hip injury to be more effective. But Russ getting it done through the air, doing it with his legs in this one. They needed him badly, and he produced, and they got back to 500, and the 49ers fall to 500. Our next game out in the late window, the Ravens. Uh, Latavius Murray was the story here. They made Tyson Williams inactive. So Latavius Murray started the backfield. He looked pretty good. Had a touchdown here. You had uh, Marquise Brown get open and make a, a just a kind of a devastating back-breaking play downfield. So he missed on the connections last week in the Lions. He did not miss with Lamar Jackson. What I'm loving is the deep ball throwing from Lamar Jackson. They're aggressive. They're not sitting on the running game. Remember, they had to get Lamar Jackson 
a really meaningless carry near the end of that game to get to 100 yards as a team to extend that streak to, uh, I think, 44 games was the streak. So when you look at that, it's a little bit more diversification of this Ravens offense, and it's really helped them here with Lamar and using the wide receivers a little more. James Prochet was kind of the surprise number two there. They also got Devin DuVernay involved. They're just realizing we have to get more guys involved in the wide receiver core and not just trying to force it to Sammy Watkins away from Marquise Brown. At some point, Hollywood will have help in the first round of Rashad Bateman. So Bateman, when he returns, he'll be in a good spot to produce pretty well in this offense. Mark Andrews getting it done, but these wide receivers have stepped up a little bit more, especially Brown from before Jackson. And uh, we'll see Mark Andrews. We want him to find the end zone. That's been a struggle here for Andrews here early in the season. Uh, that's really what can pad his numbers. He's pretty solid tight end one, much like Hawkinson, but you want the touchdowns, you want the higher volume here, more treated like a wide receiver. I think you might get that after Gusecki had a big game on the Colts uh, here on Monday night in week number five. Now for the Broncos, things just did not look good. You had uh, Teddy Bridgewater go down with a concussion. They weren't doing much against a legitimate team. Remember, they're playing 3-0-3 game teams to start the season. That's why they were 3-0. The Ravens come in, legitimate defense, legitimate team. Did not look good for this team at all. You had uh, Noah Fant got his touchdown, but did Cortland Sutton? No. Once Drew Locke was in, it was over for Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. That was just done. Uh, Bridgewater was concussed right before halftime, so yeah. If he's got to play here uh, going forward, it's Pittsburgh this week. Just forget it. It just does not look good here for anything. Uh, Melvin Gordon playing through injuries, but then Javonta Williams had some trouble here. He had an opportunity maybe to take over this backfield with Gordon banged up with the multiple injuries with the ribs and the lower leg. Did not quite happen. So the Broncos offense goes in the tank, except for Fant. If you had Fant, you were happy with that. Their defense kind of comes crashing down to earth as well against the, the Ravens here. So... And the Broncos, real Broncos, have shown up. We'll see what happens next week against Pittsburgh, but I can't imagine that being a good game for fantasy football. Speaking of the Steelers, that's our next team that we're going to talk about here. The Steelers went into Green Bay, and they got a big play early from Deontay Johnson, who came back from his knee injury, but Chase Claypool did not play. Johnson did face Jair Alexander while Alexander was healthy, but big loss, something we're going to track now for the Packers as they play the Bengals this week. Alexander goes down with an AC joint shoulder injury, so he's probably going to miss time. He's the shutdown corner for the Packers, so that's going to open things a lot in the back end. Johnson made the play over Alexander, who just uh, kind of couldn't get to it as uh, Roethlisberger made actually one good throw in this game to Deontay. So Deontay's the man he's going to trust most, especially if Clay pulls out. Juju Smith-Schuster had a little bit of a tough time getting open in this one as well. He was battling through a ribs injury that he had uh, all week. Najee Harris still looking good. He's getting it done with volume. He can do it with receptions. Didn't come through that game with that, but he had the touchdown. He's always going to be there. That's who they want to flow the offense through as much as possible. They did their best. They just didn't have enough firepower here to contain and uh, really do what they needed to do. And Roethlisberger just playing poorly. So anytime any Steelers receiver does anything like Deontay Johnson has a game like that with Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger playing so badly, you'll take it and run with it. And that's what's happening here in the uh, Again, no Claypool. We'll see if he can uh, return here against the Broncos in Week 5. Let's look at uh, the Packers side of things. Uh, so we thought, who's going to step up here? No Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Robert Tunyon was having some trouble getting open. Oh, Randall Cobb. Oh, yeah, he played for the Packers. Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers likes him. And two touchdowns from Randall Cobb. So forget Alan Lazard or anybody else stepping up. Randall Cobb was the guy here. A.J. Dillon, we've been kind of waiting for that game to compliment Aaron Jones. We didn't think it was going to come in a blowout against Steelers, but here we are with Dillon. So Dillon's still not individual player, but playable, but definitely shows he's a premium handcuff for Jones. If you're a Jones manager and you need to protect him, go out and get Dillon, make a reasonable offer, get that handcuff, because Dillon is going to be quite effective and with high volume should Jones go down, so something to watch there. Do I run out and get Randall Cobb? No, because it could easily be Al Lazard next week. It could go to Tunyon. You could have different guys pop in to uh, produce for the Packers. So, yeah, Devontae Adams, uh, yeah, it was frustrating to see uh, to see Cobb go off. And Adams have a pretty good game here against the Steelers secondary, but we know it was going to be a little tough. But the slot, the Steelers in the slot are terrible. And that's what we're seeing week in and week out. So we'll see with the Broncos how they can <laughs> exploit that. But, yeah, 
it, it, it's been uh, tough. It's not unfortunately they don't have a way to exploit that as much as we want. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers is going to spread the ball around, get to whoever he wants. But Aaron Jones, consistent source of points there. Rodgers and Adams, they didn't get enough resistance from Roethlisberger and the Steelers' offense where they didn't have to throw much, and uh, then you had the curbed fantasy football numbers here in Steelers-Packers. And uh, finally, the last game, we go to Sunday night football, and uh, it was a 1917 escape for the Buccaneers. No touchdown passes for Tom Brady. Rob Gronkowski was doubtful all week, didn't play. Cameron Brate was not a... Ample super sub. He missed a lot of connections with Brady that could have gone for big things. So did Antonio Brown. Decent day for Antonio Brown and for Chris Godwin and for Mike Evans, but nothing there. Credit the Patriots pass defense. They showed up. The big story for the game was Leonard Fournette. No Giovanni Bernard in the backfield. Ronald Jones still doghoused, although, of course, Ronald Jones scored a touchdown here, vulturing Fournette and, and Brady. Fournette looked good. He was excellent in the passing game, ran hard. Really ran well on this uh, Patriots run defense. He looked like that Fournette of old in his best days with the Jaguars. That's who we saw in this game. But, yeah, it would be nice if they gave him the goal line love as well to uh, just take over, give Fournette the ball. Fournette was your guy in the playoffs last year. You don't have Bernard. You didn't need Bernard. Fournette is a capable receiver we saw to make some big chunk plays. He's really worked at that part of the game. Still a big asset here. So, Jones had the touchdown, but... More interested in how Fournette kind of took over this backfield again. And guess who they play this week? The Dolphins. So, <laughs> great opportunity with positive game script and a Dolphins run defense that stinks against power runners for Fournette to keep it going. And maybe a little bit of Jones doing some damage as well in that game should uh, Gronkowski still be hurting. Uh, and we know the Dolphins are pretty good at quarterback. So, I think the matchup would dictate work the middle of the field. And uh, do that with the tight ends and all that good stuff. So that's what we'll see. Right, I think from the Buccaneers going forward, it was good to get the running game going and good to see Fournette have that standalone, clear-cut value in the backfield when they needed him most. So, yeah, these wide receivers will bounce back. But keep in mind, you have a tough matchup this week. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. Jones a little bit banged up for the Dolphins. But, yeah, it's going to be week to week. Who gets the big plays? The, hopefully we won't get another rainstorm, which uh, contains all these uh, passing targets for Tom Brady as well. So, Rainstorm, no Gronk, all bad there for Brady. And he'll have a rebound game against the Dolphins, although that's a team that's also giving him trouble with Brian Flores there now as the head coach of the defense. All right, let's uh, flip to the Patriots side of the things. Mac Jones looked pretty good. He had a couple touchdown passes, one to Hunter Henry, one to Jonah Smith. So the tight ends are getting involved, a little bit more relevant now. We said Hunter Henry could see a little bit more action. Jonah was struggling, but Jonah's still got in the end zone here. But Henry looked pretty good when he got his opportunities. They worked in just enough of Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers, but nothing there to see too much except in PPR leagues. If you're really hurting a tight end, I think still I would trust Henry a little bit more than Smith, but they're both touchdown dependent here with Jones, and they get the Texans this week. So opportunity for more Patriots uh, good fantasy production there. In the backfield, they just completely avoided the run. Damian Harris was a bit banged up, so they didn't uh, use him. J.J. Taylor was a disaster. He lost a fumble trying to replace James White. So, yeah, the Patriots' backfield, we want to trust them a little bit more. Texans is a get-well game for everything in their offense there that didn't work, but it's going to continue there for the wide receivers and tight ends there in Week 5. All right, so there you have a look at the 14 games and all the key takeaways you need from uh, Sunday's action there here on uh, Locked on Fantasy Football there. So, good stuff all around, and... Uh, i got to tell you, make sure you're checking out Peacock and Williamson here on the network. That's uh, our NFL insider, Brian Peacock, and our scouting expert there, Matt Williamson, former NFL scout. Break things down all across the NFL for you here on the Lockdown Network. So check out Peacock and Williamson, one of our sister podcasts here on the network. This has been a Monday edition. Great way to kick off the week here on Lockdown Fantasy Football. Thanks so much for listening. Good luck if you have anybody going on Monday night in the Raiders-Chargers games, and we'll come back tomorrow there looking for the waiver wire editions. Week number five, pick up Tuesday.